the New Zealand Business Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, your strategic and proactive IT partner. Welcome along to the New Zealand Business Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain. I'm joined by co-host Joanna Bennett, and today we're talking to Anna Gunther, who is Chief Bubble Blower and co-founder at PledgeMe, New Zealand's first crowdfunding platform. PledgeMe helps people raise money for new businesses, uh, as well as uh, raising funds for the arts and social projects. Now, Joe, am I correct that uh, you're actually an early investor in PledgeMe? It's a very small investment, but yes, because I think that crowdfunding is very important. But I don't want to talk about how I feel about it because I think Anna's by far the better person. But I'm glad Paul brought that up because it's a a disclaimer. We need to be honest and straightforward. (laughs) Good stuff. Well, Anna, maybe you can uh, tell us what uh, being a chief bubble blower involves and uh, and give us, uh, I think, an an overview for our audience who I'm sure will vary in uh, in their knowledge of what crowdfunding is is all about, so maybe a bit of an intro on uh, on crowdfunding, yeah. and then uh, we'd love to dive in and, and, and talk more about Pledge Me. Cool, cool. Okay, well, yes. So my name is Anna Gunther, and I'm the chief bubble blower and co-founder of Pledge Me. What being a chief bubble blower means day to day is really just working with um, campaign creators to help them get their campaigns going. Uh, managing a team of there's seven of us now working at Pledge Me, um, and uh, I unofficially call myself the chief show pony as well. So I get there out, out there quite a lot talking about crowdfunding. Um, so just to quickly define what crowdfunding is, it is is really as simple as it sounds. It's going out to your crowd for funding. Um, You set a really clear goal of how much money you want to raise and a deadline. Um, And you offer your crowd something in return, be it rewards or shares in your company. So how did you start Pledge Me? How did did it all kick off? Where did did all the the ideas come from to uh, to pull it together? Uh, It was a bit of a journey. I was working for the New Zealand government, so New Zealand Trade and Enterprise, Um, And I realized that in order to get ahead, I probably had to um, do something different, either go back and study or uh, go and work in the private sector. And so I decided that it would be great to do both. Uh, I was working full-time for the government, studying for a master's of entrepreneurship and started Pledge Me, co-founded it while that was going. I didn't sleep for like a year. Um, That's normal with startups, isn't it? uh, Yeah, it actually never really ended. But um, (laughs) it was, was, yeah, what really got me interested was both seeing what was happening overseas, but also my experience in funding, grants funding within the government and just wanting to see how you could do that differently. Um, Because, yeah, it didn't really make sense that it was just one person making a decision like that, like, so yeah, I was really excited for seeing Kickstarter in the States and wanted to do something in New Zealand as well. Do you see yourself as a New Zealand version of Kickstarter then? Um, in some ways, yes, especially with the project side of things that we do. Um, but with the introduction of equity, um, we've moved into a completely different space in some ways. Um, I mean, we're still helping Kiwis fund the things they care about, but now there's definitely a lot more regulation around it. Um, and we're about to move again with the hopeful introduction of uh, crowd lending soon as well. Can you talk a bit about um, equity crowdfunding? Because it's quite different, isn't it? Yeah, so um, it's similar in a lot of ways. You set up a campaign and you activate your crowd around that. 
Um, but instead of offering rewards and having a sort of short-term relationship with your pledger, um, it's definitely a lot longer term because people are buying shares in your company. Um, so there's more information that's required up front for your pledgers to make the decision to pledge. Um, and there's requirements ongoing around that as well because... Yeah, it's the difference between, we joke, uh, dating your pledger and getting married to them. It's a good yeah. way of putting it. Yeah. Now, it's a, it's a fairly uh, busy space, the, uh, the crowdfunding area. Uh, in New Zealand, we've obviously got uh, Snowball Effect and Harm Money that are sort of, you know, in a similar realm. What is it that's unique about what you're doing? What are the, what are the sort of differences from your perspective? Yeah, so crowdfunding is definitely a crowded space. Um, I think it's because it's so exciting and it's growing so rapidly overseas and in New Zealand. Um, but I, I think we do it quite a bit differently from everyone else in that we're really supporting the campaign creator um, and getting getting them ready to launch a campaign that activates their own networks because we think that's the most powerful connection. It's not bringing a crowd to someone that's completely unrelated. It's helping people figure out who's already around them that they can activate because that relationship is so much stronger and so much more engaging. Um, and that crowd um, is likely to bring more than just money to you as well. Uh, we had a beautiful example of this, um, of someone doing a really great campaign last year, um, Brian West from uh, Sorbet. Uh, and she went out and activated her customer base. And so 80% of her investors were current customers. And when she went out and was trying to figure out how to move into her new factory um, and double the batching of her product, one of her investors, actually four of her investors were chemists, but one of them came in and actually helped her figure out how to do that. So they brought more than just the funding to the table. That's great. Did I answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. I get the impression that this publicity side of it is something that some people struggle with. Definitely. I think um, we often, I think across business, underestimate how important communication is. Um, and with crowdfunding, communication is really core to that. So getting out there and telling your story and activating your own networks. And yeah, it's something we try to help our campaign creators with a bit. You sound like you're doing more and more of that, actually. Yeah. So we've just launched a new product um, or a new a new. Um, it's actually an education program for uh, equity crowdfunders, and it's six sessions, and at least half of them are around communication and, and talking to your crowd. What do they get wrong? Um, oh, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of things that people um, uh, need to learn about, but um, it's everything from figuring out who their crowd is. Often people come at, at it from a very business approach of who's my target market, when actually it's really who, who are your current customers and who are the people in your networks and who are the people that you talk to about your business problems and your highs and your lows and getting them really thinking about who their crowd is is the first step. But then it's just things like, you know, how to engage journalists, treat them like people, <laughs> buy them a coffee, tell them a good story, um, don't send them a boring press release. Uh, yeah, so we, we go through the whole spectrum. That's great. Um, maybe there are one or two um, stories you can share of some of the uh, some of the campaigns that you've done. Um, I think that you know that'll help the audience understand and help us understand a, a, a little bit more of the variety of crowdfunding that you know that you get involved in. Yeah. So um, I often get asked what my favorite campaign was um, or is, and it's funny because it's not any of the ones that you'd probably typically expect. Uh, my favorite campaign was a project campaign um, run by a director, a film director down in Wellington, um, and he was creating a short film. And he spotted a, 
a kid at high school out in Wainuimata that he um, cast into the lead role of a short film. Um, and when he was chatting to this kid, Waka, what he wanted to do after high school, um, uh, Waka didn't know. So the film director decided to crowdfund to send him to acting school. Um, and he raised enough money in 24 hours, not just to send him to acting school for a year, but also to put him on the train every day between Wainuimata and Wellington. And things like that. It's actually changing someone's life. Um, and I think that's one of the beautiful things about crowdfunding. But another example, one of one of my other favorites is for uh, Yeasty Boys, a craft beer mm. company. Have you guys had their beer before? It's amazing. Um, but Stu came to me a few, actually, even before we'd gotten our equity crowdfunding license and told me that he was thinking about raising capital. Um, and we chatted through crowdfunding, and I told him that there were some critics in the space telling me that equity crowdfunding was dumb money. Um, and Stu was like, no, it's not. It's love money. So when he went out and decided to equity crowdfund, he called his campaign love money. Um, but he raised uh, half a million dollars in half an hour to uh, launch his plans to expand into the UK. And I think the cool thing with that was not just the people that got involved. It was his crowd um, and not just the speed in which he raised his money, but actually the way the whole industry treated it. Um he got a lot of flack in some uh, uh, slightly more traditional news media about what he was doing. And the comment section of that article turned into complete craft beer love and like everyone was supporting him as an entrepreneur, but also his business model, which was really exciting. I get the impression that there's quite a lot, quite a few beer and wine and, and booze and people who quite who go the crowdfunding route. Yeah, definitely <laughs> internationally as well. Um, uh, there's a lot of examples of equity crowdfunding campaigns for beer companies, um, Brewdogs being the best-known example. Um, but I think it's because, uh, A, there's a lot of people that really love those products, but also those companies have had to really figure out how to differentiate themselves and tell their brand and tell their story well um, to get seen in the market. Um, so I think they're just naturally able to activate their crowds a little bit better. Also, I think there's kind of an effective discount, really, isn't there, on the products when you when you invest early on, which I'm sure appeals. Yeah, so discounts on the discounts on the beer or wine, and um, I just love what Brewdogs did. They said, you know, um, if you become an investor, you're invited to our AGM, which is literally a piss up in a brewery. Um, so you get to come and try all of their new beer, watch a band, and go to the AGM at the same time. Sounds tough. It's hard life. <laughs> now, in, in terms of those that are looking for funding, um, are there um, any particular businesses or, or areas where you think crowdfunding isn't a particularly good route to uh, to go down? I think it's a lot harder for people that don't um, interact much with their customers if there's not a relationship there um, already. And also for people that are at a stage potentially where they're doing something they don't want the whole world to know about. Um, it's probably not a good time to be going out and trying to raise money either. Um, that said, we we do offer private crowdfunding as well for people that just want to go out to a smaller group of their crowd. Mm. Um, but yeah, definitely people really need to be able to know who their customers are and communicate with them. That's great. Mm. And then on the other side, who out of our audience should be looking at this as a, as a way to you know gain funding? Because there are obviously lots of channels through which people can go through. This is obviously one that's... It's pretty new to most people. Yeah. 
I think it works best for people that see the value of getting a crowd on board. You know, you have to sort of really want that. And a crowd can be great because it means you've got a, a group of people that own you out there selling what you do. And we see it working best for companies that have been around for at least a year, um, who are really clear on how the money is going to help them grow and, yeah, are really good at communicating. On the project side, it's really good for people that have a really clear idea, again, of something really concrete that they want to do and, again, are able to communicate out to a group that might be interested in helping make that happen. It sounds like it's more suitable for early growth than absolute newbies, absolute startups. It depends. I mean, for startups that potentially have done stuff in the past and have a crowd around them that want to support their next venture, it could work really well. Um, I, I think it definitely is a bit harder when you're still testing out your ideas, though. Yeah. Do you think crowdfunding is for people who would have difficulty accessing money from the banks? I mean, two examples is, excuse my pronunciation, but Taitawiki, who... He funded Boy. I know it was through Kickstarter. And um, he's a married married filmmaker. And also Kickstarter, for instance, a lot of women are quite successful on it. I just get the impression that it's quite good for people who feel they might not get funding from the bank, for example. Is is that your feeling? Partially. So I think there are definitely people that go down this route because they haven't been able to get funding from the bank. Um, And then there's people that are going down this route because they actually see it as being... Um, better in a lot of ways for them but the thing that excites me most you're right is there's more diversity in who's getting funded and who's funding in crowdfunding um one stat is you know you look at venture capital funds in the states only seven percent of them go to female founders or teams that have female founders and i think it's something crazy like one percent goes to female ceos whereas about 30 percent of the campaigns on pledge me have female CEOs um, and 40% have female founders so we're definitely seeing crowdfunding enabling uh, more women to get funded and what about ethnic groups is, is that the same for them as well um, we are seeing that as well we don't actually ask when people crowdfund oh, no. what their ethnic groups are um, but we are definitely seeing some of that and we want to see more of it so we're trying to figure out how we can support um, more more crowdfunding in different communities well, given that Auckland's got 180 different nationalities now, wow. uh, you know, you can yeah. see that this, the need may be there. Yeah, definitely. And, and uh, there are definitely some communities that are more naturally sort of aligned with the idea of crowdfunding. Um, you know, you look at um, some Asian countries and how they do weddings. Effectively, they crowdfund the weddings. Um, yeah, through to, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of examples of some ethnicities that are more open to it um it's just yeah how we how we get the word out there more have you crowdfunded a wedding not yet um i i've joked about it a lot in the past though it sounds like you want to i so want to so i can imagine a big indian wedding from what you're talking about yeah yeah now for for somebody that decides that hey this is the track that we want to go down yeah uh they want to fund their their business uh through pledge me what are the what are the typical uh, steps to get from thinking? Okay, I'm interested in going down this track. I'm keen. Um, what are the steps that they go through in terms of working with you? Decide whether there's going to be a fit, and then that actual process. What are the key things that they would they would need to know um, yeah. before they end up with um, you know 
piles of uh, of cash floating into their uh, <laughs> uh, their pockets. Is that how you visualise it? Just piles of cash being thrown at the person? I just thought that visually it's a little bit more interesting than an electronic transfer you see. And just a number going across the screen. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, so how it really starts is if someone's looking at equity crowdfunding, there is a bit of work, you know. Um, a lot of it's just good company hygiene, you know, having a business plan and having current financials and all of that. But um, we have an education guide that walks uh, companies through everything that they need to think about. Um, as well as having pretty much every template known to man (laughs) Um, so people can actually start filling things out. Um, So that's the first step is really to to figure out if it's right for you by reading some material. Um, Then get in touch with us. Our team is really happy to sit down and and talk through um, your plans. Um, If it sounds like it's a goer, then you go in and create a request through our platform. Um, We then start this crowdfunding you programs with six sessions getting you ready to launch walking through everything from what is equity crowdfunding through to the documentation through to comms um and then when you're ready to hit go um there's a few final checks that we do to make sure everything is good and um you launch a campaign um that's when the real work starts of making sure you're activating your crowd um though there's a lot of pre-work that lots of people do as well um getting people signed up to newsletters and getting them aware that it's coming but yeah then it's just really hopefully hit your goal by your deadline um and then we make sure everyone is who they say they are uh, as we're required to under the anti-money laundering counterterrorism legislation uh and then yeah then the money is transferred through and the wads of cash are the wads of rain cash down yes oh that's great yes. And uh, how do you earn through it? How does that work? Is that that's a percentage sort of basis? Yeah, so there's a 5% success fee. So if um, the deadline is, the goal is met by the deadline, we receive 5% of that. Um, and we do charge up front now for the um, crowdfunding EU program. Um, but that is um, can be match funded by the government. So there's a, a capability vouchers if, if companies uh, want to go down that path. Can you talk a bit about that? Because that's, um, that sounds quite new and also yeah. it, sound, it sounds like you're helping people to develop as a company. Yeah, so it's, it's the whole idea was um, every company is different, but there's lots of things that are similar that they need to learn to get ready to go. Um, and uh, so it's really an education program. Um, we give some feedback on the company itself but really it's up to them to do the work um, and we just teach them how to do that for themselves um, and we can help link them into other people if they need to along the way as well um, but yeah we just realized after a year that there was a lot of similar conversations that we were having a lot of education that we were doing up front um, and that we yeah we need to really figure out if people were keen to progress or not um, before putting the time in to get them ready to launch a campaign so what were the typical questions that came up um, and it is everything from how do I write a comms plan through to how do I write a press release through to who is my crowd? Um, yeah, through to how do I how do I create a forecast? All the things, basically. All of the things. Now, you've, you've, you were saying that you talked about Yeasty Boys. Yep. And obviously, Sam, that's very successful. Yeah. Who else have you equity crowdfunded? So we've had 12 successful campaigns so far. 
Um, it's everything from a single-bladed wind turbine down in Dunedin, Powerhouse Wind. Um, they're a group of ex-Fisher and Paykel engineers who used to talk about renewable energy over lunch because turns out that's what engineers do. Um, and so they spent seven years building their um, single-bladed wind turbine and got to the point where they wanted to commercialize it and went out to their crowd and raised half a million dollars um, to do that. Uh, through to we had the world's youngest equity crowdfunder, Indy Griffiths, at 19, raised $50,000 to get a marketing person for his company um, and do some other work as well. But parent-teacher interviews, have you guys heard of that? Yeah. Uh-huh, I thought yeah. it was quite controversial in Wellington, wasn't it, for some reason? Um, well, it was controversial because he had uh, one of his competitors start asking questions on his campaign page that weren't actually questions. Okay, um, poor guy. <laughs> it was actually, uh, I was amazed because I've been on the receiving end of some trolling in the past and I have not always dealt with it well. And this 19-year-old kid <laughs> responds to the <laughs> troll better than I could um, and actually managed to get people investing purely based on how you respond to that. Um, he did such a good job. Um, but I think that's probably the controversy that you remember. Mm. Um, but yeah, so through to, you know, Indy, who created a SaaS product for linking parents to teachers to book interviews. So they could schedule the interviews yeah. properly, wasn't it? I mean, that's, that's actually, I mean, it sounds like a small thing, but it's actually quite a big deal. It is. And I think he's in over 400 schools now. I'm at all surprised. Yeah. It's a great idea. His mum was not happy when he raised the money because he quit university. <laughs> To so do his company full time, I shouldn't laugh. How did that? He can go back. How did that one look for him? Because I, I do remember um, <coughs> him crowdfunding initially. Yeah. Did was, did he just do one campaign, or were there two campaigns? I'm trying to remember the. Uh, it was the, one. The details. It seemed like he he was maybe had some challenges. Maybe I watched it early on in the process, and he was struggling to reach the uh, uh, the numbers. What was that? What was that process like? Because it, it's obviously uh, sometimes a challenge to uh, to reach the target. So how did that look like in, in his yeah. case? Yeah, so it's it's funny, like, um, what we see is you get a rush of pledges in the first few days and a rush of pledges in the last few days, um, and not much in the middle unless you have some really good comms going out there, really good updates and media coverage. Um, so he really was in the category of most of the pledges coming in the last few days, um, which is really stressful um, for the campaign creators, but he, he definitely got through it um, and managed to get quite a few awesome people on board um did the controversy actually end up helping because yeah. he got so much media coverage yeah i think i think i think it did help um maybe not from the media angle but more from how he responded he had people especially on social media watching it and and commenting on how well he did um but yeah he he got funded on the last day so it was wow. one of those sort of right last down, minute right down to yeah. the wire yeah, because I spoke to him uh, when he was involved in the BNZ uh, startup alley. I think yeah. I, I spoke to him on one of the New Zealand Tech podcast episodes uh, at that stage, which probably going back a couple of years. So, yeah, he uh, probably would have been eighteen at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's he's doing so well. <laughs> That's great. It's probably a bit early days, but I mean, one of the things that would probably deter some investors is supposing I want to sell my shares. So I know it, the technical name is secondary market, which is, I think, very is an awful name. But what's happening with that? Have you, have you thought about that secondary market to sell people's shares, help them do so if yeah. they wish to? So at the moment, companies can manage a register of interested buyers and interested sellers 
and they can match them themselves. So if someone really wanted to get out, um, the company could help facilitate that or the person could complete a share transfer. Um, so people can get out if they want to. It's just not easy. Um, the idea of a secondary market for companies that are relatively early stage is quite hard um, just because they need to set a valuation at that point. And it, it, there's, it's just a lot of work for the stage at which the companies are at and a lot of compliance and um, all of that. So it is something we're looking at, but I think it's not actually really that helpful at this stage for the companies, um, though I think definitely in the future as the company grows, it, it's something that we need to help them out with. Yeah, because it sounds like crowdfunding is almost an alternative to the banks for a, a number of people. So the ability to sell shares later will become mm. important. Do you, I mean, do you see yourself becoming like a small competitor to the New Zealand stock market from that respect? Um, I think we're part of the landscape. And I think that um, crowdfunding is definitely filling a capital chasm in New Zealand for companies that are at a certain stage. Um, I don't think we're ever going to really compete with the stock exchange um, just because, you know, there's a maximum raise through crowdfunding of $2 million, and that's really not even mm-hmm. in the same space as, as the stock exchange. Um, but I do think with, with um, debt crowdfunding or peer-to-peer lending, uh, that's going to be an interesting, different angle to how you got to your crowd. Um, Can can you explain what peer-to-peer lending is, first of all, because not everyone's familiar with it? Yeah, so um, peer-to-peer lending is really uh, just... Well, it depends on how, how you do it. So there's there's already some peer-to-peer platforms in New Zealand, um, Harmony being one of the biggest and most well-known. Um, and the way they do it is they have people come onto their platform and um, want to uh, borrow money, and then people can lend that money anonymously. Um, so it's being used for a variety of different sort of personal lending and borrowing reasons. What we're excited about, though, is actually a company or, or an organization going out publicly and issuing loan notes. So they go out to their crowd, say, hey, we need to raise this money to uh, put solar panels on the roof of our school. Um, hey, parents, can you lend us the money and we'll pay you back over time with interest with the savings from having those solar panels on the roof. Um, so that's how we see it happening in New Zealand. But, um, yeah, peer-to-peer, is, it's effectively just... So you've got a very social take on it rather than, say, you know, getting some funds for, for a new car or something like that, which is what someone might do on a peer-to-peer lending platform. Yeah, so we're definitely more of a, a social angle on it and a sort of transparent angle versus just a financial return. Hmm. And what else have you got sort of lined up for the, for the future? Anything else you can, uh, you can share? Um, so definitely, I think, crowd lending is the biggest thing in our future so we're hoping that we'll have that launched within the next few months um but then yeah we're really interested in watching what's happening in australia so they're looking at changing the legislation and they're going through the process at the moment sadly australians love rules um so it's looking and lots of rules oh my gosh the layers of the rules rule upon rule um so we're not sure how that's going to turn out but we're definitely watching that with a lot of interest um, so there could be an opportunity for you to uh, to play in that space as well in the Australian market. Potentially, yeah. Mm. So it just depends on depends on how it pans out. Um, and we're also interested in other ways that people could crowdfund. So you know, what is the future of crowdfunding? What's the next step? What's the next way that people can fund the things they care about? 
What about this um, relationship you now have with the Akina Foundation? Is that part of looking forward? Yeah, so the Akina Foundation is uh, effectively an economic development agency for social enterprises in New Zealand. Um, And we've partnered with them because we've realized that a lot of social enterprises uh, struggle to get uh, funding through some of the traditional paths. Um, A lot of investors... uh, invest purely for financial returns so crowdfunding is a different way of them raising money um so yeah definitely watching the growth of social enterprise internationally and wanting to support it in new zealand it made sense for us to partner um so that's part of the future as well can you give us some examples of the kind of um projects that you and or akina would be interested in funding then or are looking at now yeah so we've had quite a few social entrepreneurs crowdfund through us in the past everything from conscious consumers they're a um, company that wants to change the way people consume uh, make it more conscious hence the name Um, so they raised $90,000 last year to create an app so um, people could track how they were spending their money and um, cafes and restaurants could track who was coming in and how they were making their purchasing decisions Um, through to uh Lumio, which is a participatory decision-making software tool. They raised their initial funding through us to just get going and pay their developers so they could eat two-minute noodles or one-minute noodles, however many minute noodles they were eating um, for the first three months of their development. Um, yeah, so those are some people that we've seen come through, and I think with Akina, we just want to see more of that happening and support them better. Yeah. What would you say to someone who was considering you, Pledge Me, as against um, Indiegogo or Kickstarter in the US because they think they would get more funding that way cause, simply because the US is bigger? It's really interesting because we get that question a lot. And I just always go back and I ask about their crowd. You know, who's your crowd? And often if they're looking at an international platform, they're thinking that the platform brings a crowd. And that's not really the case. Um, if you get enough traction and if it goes wide enough, you, you might get a lot of people pledging that you don't know. But it's not very often that a platform will bring everyone that funds your campaign to the table. Um, so it's really just thinking about where you want to take your crowd. And, and I'm sure it depends what, what it is that you've got to offer. Yeah. And if you've got something that's very much of local interest, you know, it would make a lot more sense to... Uh, to be focusing locally maybe if you've got something with really broad uh, global interest in terms of a you know a, a product development and so on would you see that being a, a typical delineation yeah we have definitely seen some products go the kickstarter route because they've got people already interested in the states um which is it's just, which is fair but i guess yeah our perspective is if it's if it's if you're in New Zealand and your crowd is predominantly Kiwis, um, we're here to help, and we will. Um, and, yeah, I think that that's really where the difference is. Now, we see with a, a lot of uh, the new t- sort of technology platforms, um, things like TradeMe, eBay, Airbnb, uh, Uber, and, and so on, that you know, often there end up not being a lot of players in a particular um, space. How do you think that's going to sort of shake down within the the area of crowdfunding over time? Because there must be a benefit of uh, of scale at some point. Definitely, um, and I think that uh, the New Zealand market is definitely not that large. Um, so I can I can definitely imagine there being a shakedown at some point soon, and fewer platforms 
um, sticking around. But I think from our perspective, we're pretty differentiated from everyone else. So I think that we're in a good position, not only because we offer a lot of different ways to crowdfund, but we really are so focused on the campaign creator and supporting them. Um, so I think, yeah, we are quite different, but I totally do acknowledge that New Zealand's relatively small. Yeah. Is that where you think your real advantage is the fact that you support people in their campaigns and to access their crowds? I think that's a big thing, is really supporting people to go out and activate their own networks. And that's a, that's a pretty different angle from a lot of other people in the space. Uh, and we're really focused on transparency and uh, all of that. Um, and we really do care, you know? We really want to help these people fund the things that they care about. You talked about um, perhaps going to Australia. What about, I mean, Finland, for instance, and I think the, the UK are um, looking at these things as well. I'm not sure if they've actually licensed crowdfunders yet. Have you thought of going there and linking up with anybody in Europe? So the UK has actually been doing um, equity crowdfunding for a while, um, not because they changed their legislation, but because there was a loophole, uh, which made it so they could do it. Um, well, you're ahead of me there then. <laughs> yeah, so there's, there's quite a few platforms, and the growth there has been pretty um, phenomenal. Uh, so the UK is probably pretty well catered for, but there are definitely different countries that are getting ready to bring it in. The states actually just changed the legislation recently to allow it. Um, for now we're really focused on New Zealand and um, any potential move would have to be balanced off what we're doing here but yeah we're interested in watching for sure I guess it's, it's a challenge you don't want to be doing too many things otherwise it gets pretty uh, hard to get to a, you know, a perspective of profitability yeah you definitely need to focus um, and I think that we're pretty clear on our path at the moment and what we want to focus on um, but we definitely do have a lot of learnings especially in the New Zealand market of how equity crowdfunding works and how it could potentially work overseas dependent on the legislation that um, those countries are operating under um, so yeah we are definitely watching it's just balancing what we should be doing now and what's the later longer term thing so what do you think the most important things you've learned the last year or so about equity crowdfunding which is quite different as you say from donation crowdfunding I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that uh, New Zealand companies are so busy doing their businesses that they don't get much time to go a level up and figure out how they want to grow their businesses um, and it's a big thing because I think that if you're so busy in the day to day that you don't actually think about growth or expansion um it's going to be hard in the future. So by offering our new program, we're really hoping that we'll be able to help companies think through what equity crowdfunding could mean for them in a really structured process. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I just sort of assumed that everyone had a business plan. <laughs> and that's not the case. Yeah. So what's, what have been the sort of the key um, learnings for you having moved um, out of working for the government, now, you know, running as a, effectively a startup business. Yeah. Uh, lots of technology involved, uh, lots of competition. Lots of regulation. Uh, lots of unknown. Um, there's, you know, all, all these things, and, uh, and you've had to navigate through all of that. What have been the big learnings for you? I think the biggest learning that I've had is that I don't think it's about serial entrepreneurship. I think it's about being resilient. And I think that a lot of people getting into business sort of think there's this line that you go up and then you're and then you succeed. 
<laughs> Whereas what I've learned is that line is very squiggly, as Claudia Batten calls it. Um, and yeah, there's often highs and lows in the same day. Um, but yeah, just figuring out how to get through that and get through that well. Um, and with a crowd of people around you has been my biggest learning, really. You've been working pretty hard, I take it. Yeah. <laughs> Do I sound tired? <laughs> you sound lively. It's a bit tired. Um, yeah, it's been a lot of work and there's been a lot of learnings. Um, there's been talk recently about like the dark side of entrepreneurship and how people actually get quite depressed. Mm. It's lonely. And I think that's the thing is um, one thing I've actually done um, with some friends to counter that as we go away every uh, four months for a weekend and we all get to bring one problem that we want to share <laughs> and then over the weekend we get to work together on the problems um, while drinking wine and eating cheese um, which I think is good because you actually get to be really honest with some people about where you're at but yeah it's also I mean while it can be really hard and really lonely on the other side of the coin is it's a great way to meet people and you actually get to see what you're doing making things happen um, which is something that I think I missed sometimes being in government is you couldn't really see the direct effect of what this grant over here was doing to those people over there um, but yeah so do working for New Zealand Trade and Enterprise did that make you see the gap that you obviously seem to have filled um, definitely a little bit um, I also joke that it broke me a little bit <laughs> because <laughs> I just care about the industry sometimes um, more than our individual success. Um, but yeah, definitely working with New Zealand Trade Enterprise got me into the space and, and uh, got me excited about the economy and entrepreneurship and business and, and funding specifically. So, so what do you think um, PledgeMe and similar types of platforms can offer that NZT can't? I'm really interested in the idea of government um, actually coming around platforms like ours and offering match funding. So instead of them themselves making the decision around who should get funded and, and requiring companies to fill out forms that really then never go anywhere, um, actually support and amplify um, some community decisions, some crowd decisions around who gets funded and how. Um, because I think, I think it is hard for government making those decisions all the time. Um, they can only make it based on the information that's provided in a form. Whereas, how cool would it be if their decision was just um, off the back of something that a crowd of users have validated and verified? Is there any chance of that happening, do you think? I pitched it last week in a speech <laughs> and Bill English was there <laughs> that's a good start <laughs> I don't know if he's going to take it up but I think I'm seeing him tomorrow night again at an event so I'll, I'll follow up yeah because there's a bit, a bit of a cultural problem there isn't it I mean people who are public servants it's a very different job and the way you have to be is quite different to mm. you know running it I mean a startup is a small business it, it, it's quite different so I think what you're talking about is bridging that, finding ways to bridge that gap. And support each other. I think, you know, there's such a big role for government and there's totally a role for business. And how do we work together better to make New Zealand a better place? Yeah, I, think, I always get the impression they want to help, but they're not always quite sure how to do it in the best way. I also think they're scared of technology. Tell us more. <laughs> I, oh... I had an experience recently where I got asked to give some feedback on a, a strategy that um, someone was pulling together in government, and I asked them if they could share it as a Google Doc, and they were too scared to. And 
I was like, so you want feedback that you're then going to centrally synthesize and create a report out of? Why don't you just send a Google Doc out to everyone that you want feedback from so we can see what everyone's saying and then, you know, bounce off each other and... That was too scary for them. Why were they, they scared? Were they scared that pe- people would see it who shouldn't, or they're just scared full stop because they weren't accustomed to it? I think a little bit of both. Um, I think it definitely was potentially a control thing, but I think also, yeah, just the idea. And, yeah, it was, it was a bit beyond them at that point. But I also, in my speech last week, talked about how government had to use technology, so I'm getting it all in there. It sounds like there's a, a road to be travelled here and you're, you're going to help these guys. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, we're joking here, but it's actually quite a serious, quite a serious thing yeah. to, um, to use technology to make, make life easier for people. Hmm. Well, I think technology, the whole role of it is to enhance community rather than replacing it. And we should be using it like that. And I think that often we're not... I think that was a bit deep. <laughs> so, any uh, no. any key pieces of technology that that um, that you use within the business that have that have really helped you? Uh, so, definitely Google everything. Um, so, you like being able to you know, collaborate online, not have to have servers and so on, and, and that's pretty important as a as a small entity. I, I guess not everyone's always in the same place at the same time. So, you know, if you're working off traditional systems, it would make that harder, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think, so we definitely do work remotely. So we have um, our team in Auckland, our team in Wellington, and often people traveling. Um, so having Google Docs just makes total sense. And But it is, again, then just this collaborative nature of co-writing, co-editing, suggesting, changing, and being able to see the um, transformation of a document. Um, we use Slack really heavily. Um, actually, at Startup Weekend, uh, over the weekend, I made the mentors use Slack completely revolutionized um, the way we coached the teams. So what's Slack? Um, Slack is an internal communications tool, um, which just, yeah, it's supposed to stop you from emailing. Um, and it, it just means you can share links and information uh, in a semi-structured way um, within teams and then privately as well um, within subgroups or individually. Um, there's a great piece that Lillian Grace wrote last week. Have you read it yet? Around remote first instead of remote friendly. I, I did see the, the link, but I haven't read it. You should read it. She gives some great tips on how to use Slack effectively with um, Teams. Um, and yeah, so Slack is great. Uh, I, I told them we were, we, were, we were starting a revolution against paper and Slack was the way. Uh, and then other tools that we use, we use Trello for task management. Um, we... Uh, yeah, we use that pretty heavily as well and integrate that. And then, yeah, social media, all the normal other tools that people are using in tech startups. That's good. That's good. Well, I think, you know, it is useful for uh, listeners to hear that because, you know, the people come from all sorts of different environments and backgrounds. And, uh, yeah, some of them will be in, uh, in a you know, new, fresh startup type environment. And so they'll be using, uh, you know, the same or similar types of tools. But uh, for other people, this will all be, uh, be a new. bit of news. So, yeah. uh, so I think it's, it's good to have those, uh, have those discussions. Um, was there anything else you wanted to share about your journey before we finish up one of my biggest learnings is just when you're starting a company is that you can totally ask people for help uh which sounds like it should just be obvious um but yeah the amount of support and advice i've gotten for the price of a cup of coffee 
uh, is pretty insane. Um, and I think it's just if people are out there thinking about starting their own companies, it's just being really clear that you can get a lot of support when you're getting started from other people. Um, but also, eventually, you just have to start. So do that, too. <laughs> That's yeah. great. That's great. Thank you very much for your time and trouble. You've Thank covered, you so much. You've covered, you know, you've covered a lot of ground and lots of different topics and ideas that have come out. I think people will find pretty helpful, actually. Awesome. No, I'm really glad to be here. Thank you for having me. That's great. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Now, if anyone uh, wants to get in touch, what's the best way for them to uh, connect with you through your website or on online social media? I am quicker at responding on Twitter. So I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> so if you want me, um, my uh, Twitter handle is at where underscore is underscore Anna, um, or you can just go at pledge me and get me through there as well. That's excellent. Thank you so much for your time. Cool. Thank you. All right. Cheers. The New Zealand Business Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, your strategic and proactive IT partner.